Welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together, they make up the Church Safety Guys. Their mission, to inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Good evening and welcome to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am and uh, I'm running solo this evening. Uh, it looks like um, Paul had something. Uh, he's actually still feeling kind of under the weather. So if you would uh, definitely keep him in your prayers and uh, Mike may be joining us shortly. He had something come up with his family. So um, but anyhow, if this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, you can visit our resource page website at churchsafetyguys.com, and we've got some great things uh, available for you there. Uh, so welcome. If you're listening to this at a later time, feel free to like and subscribe. You can hit that lower right-hand uh, icon on YouTube or on one of your podcast platforms, and uh, that way you'll get notified when we have new content and push stuff out. So real quick, I just want to... Uh, to throw out some some great stuff that we have coming up. So October 2nd uh, is our Church Security Essentials Conference, and that's going to be hosted uh, by Fellowship Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, that's going to be a solid, uh, solid eight-hour conference. And uh, we still have tickets available for that. Uh, you can purchase those through our website at churchsafetyguys.com uh, up on the up upper right-hand corner, there's a little icon that says conference, and you can click on that, and it'll take you to a list, a detailed list of the speakers, the topics, what we're going over. And uh, one of the things that we are actually, uh, we extended um, was the early bird uh, deal promotion that we had going on. So if you purchase a regular admission ticket before the end of July, um, you would actually get a free copy of one of our, our books at the conference. So um, that is available. And uh, if you have any questions or if you're you're interested in bringing your church to that, you're more than welcome to reach out to us through Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, our website, and we'll, we'll try and help you as much as we can with that. So um, other than that, uh, feel free to, to take a moment uh, if you have one to download and take a look at our church security app, um, that is actually available and we are always uploading content and information uh, on that platform. So you're welcome to download that um, and you can do that in your uh, Apple iOS store or or on your Google store. So um, so yeah, just running through some of the comments tonight, I want to talk about uh, prioritizing training. And I know a lot of uh, folks recently, uh, I, churches are coming back from COVID and trying to kind of get a game plan back together, opening their doors, making sure they're staying safe, etc. And so one of the major questions that we have uh, received quite a few times is how do you prioritize? Like what's important, what's not important? And then how do you go back through and kind of systematically cross everything off the list? 
And so that's a that's a pretty um, pretty challenging question. And so tonight, for that sake, um, I asked Dwayne Harris to join us. And uh, Dwayne is actually at Full Armor Church, and uh, I'm very happy to say a great a great guy and a great friend of mine. So thanks for joining us tonight, Dwayne. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good being here. <laughs> so we can. Um, it's and we we talked a little bit before the show, but that's a that's a massive question. So, if you were if you were approached by someone, um, let's just talk about that a little bit. Like somebody that doesn't have a team at all, like what would your recommendation be for actually helping them get started and where to start with uh, training and and working through that? Well, I think um, first off, hats off for somebody who's asking the question and recognizing the need to train. I think. Most sure. ministries, and I think that you know, most ministries that we work with or that reach out, um, they say, you know, if you ask them, hey, do you have anything in place? And they'll be, you know, yeah, we have guys that do security, uh, some women, we have a security team, uh, but we don't really know what that looks like. We don't have anything really official. We're just kind of sitting there. We don't know what we do. Um, so that's a common, uh, you know, many people launch ministries and then they just put it in autopilot. Um, we've right. got some people, as long as they're there, then we have security. But if you don't really adequately train, um, then you probably don't have security. You probably have liability. Uh, so most people don't <laughs> sure. realize you, know, you, you can survive uh, uh, with poor training in place, but if you have no training, you're just in denial. Um, so it's important to, to, to recognize the need for it. Um, I think most ministries uh, starting out and launching, you know, if they have a team or maybe they've, you know, a lot of times it's somebody who's come into the helm and maybe they've adopted or inherited uh, security ministry program, and they're wanting to take it to that next level and, and don't really know how to uh, kind of break some of the norms and establish training. So, um, you know, I would say first off is definitely just setting some of the groundwork and identifying um, how the security ministry operates. What are the criteria for people to participate in that program and starting to establish some of the written uh, procedures, some of the small things. I know you, you, we, we like to run, we don't like to do the book work, but, but a lot of times if you don't have it's, it's kind of like your faith. You can have faith, but if you don't have it built upon the word, you don't put the, take time to put the word on, you know, word in you, um, then, then you have no basis for your faith. So it's the same thing with security. Um, it's really important in the early stages that ministries work to develop those written procedures. Uh, may, may look like chicken scratch, may be very light handed initially, uh, right. but you need to have something. You know, what, what is the goals, the criteria for serving? Uh, who are we going to have serve? And, and what are we going to do? What does our roles look like? Um, so I always encourage people to start setting the foundation of some of the written procedures, get some things in place, um, and then just start looking at the day in and day out, you know, kind of like the win uh, approach, what's important now. Um, on a given Sunday, what is it that you have needs of? You know, recognize it. Uh, do you have people out there in the front lobby? So I think just looking at uh, pre-service protocols, you know, what do we really want people to be doing? Uh, pre-service, sure. during service, and and working through the conclusion of the service times. Absolutely, I, and I think I think it's interesting. You kind of touched on having a having a policy in place before you just determine like what's important to train. And it's interesting because one of the um, one of the the uh, law enforcement officers that attends our church. Uh, I've asked him before, like, here's, here's our team, here's our policies, you know, take a look at this, check it out, tell me what I'm missing. 
And uh, it's funny because he'll bring something up. He'll say, well, you know, how do you guys expect to handle this, this particular topic? You know, maybe it's pastoral protection or something else. And I'll say, well, this is how we would handle it. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, everybody should know that, right? Everybody, this is a logical, you know, I've worked through this in my mind logically. We're good to go. We're solid. And uh, more often than I think I probably (laughs) want to remember, he'll look at me and he'll say, if it's not written down, it's not policy. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't train people to what's in your brain. You've got to, you know, you've got to train people to the actual policy so that they understand and they can appreciate the dynamics of it and, and everything else. And so, um, you know, that's kind of pushed me over the years to be able to say, look, if it's not written down, guess what? It's not, (laughs) it's not going to happen. Yeah. So So. I think a lot of people don't, you know, you know, sometimes we say we don't want to tie ourselves in policies and written procedures aren't about tying you in, but they are about at least keeping everybody on the same, on, on the same page. Um, and definitely for liability, because any sure. uh, security safety ministry, when you're operating uh, in, in that guise, your insurances uh, for liability's sake are going to want to see those structural documents. Um, right. if, you know, heaven forbid something happened at the church, they're coming to look, well, we have a safety team. Okay. Well, what does that look like? What have y'all done? Have you screened them? And I always mm-hmm. tell people right out the gate, uh, you know, you, you don't just go before the church and say, hey, who, who wants to be in security? Uh, you, you need to hand pick. You need to you need to find men and women um, that are you know spiritually seasoned and sound. Um, they have good judgment, good control in their life. Um, if they're so easy to fly off the handle at everybody else, they're probably not who you want representing the church. So you want to kind of hand pick people. But but then you need to start documenting uh, those people you have serving. And, and if they carry concealed uh, and carry on your behalf and, and if you're allowing them and permitting them to serve under the guise of safety or security, you basically have given them uh, that ability, um, then you need to document that. Did you do background checks on them? You need to keep up with that annually. You need to show that you have uh, some kind of documentation of their uh, permits and you know legal basis to carry. Um, so documentation is key. But I think once you start getting some of the groundwork set, and we and, and I'm not going to do a, a plug for just full armor, but but, <laughs> but, but our kits, uh, sure. our kits are designed to help you with curriculum, just mm-hmm. basic things. What can we do to self-instruct? Because not everybody needs an outside speaker. I mean, let's just be honest. Most sure. ministries have capable people who have been given the assignment to oversee the safety security ministry program. And what they really need is just a little bit of structure to run with. They need a little bit of resources um, so that they can do it the way they need to do it. Because every ministry, their vision of safety and security and what those roles are differ. So, you know, we, we provide ready-made policies that you can tweak and change, but but work on getting some established written procedures together. Um, like you said, having some kind of plan. If, if a child goes missing, what do we do? Um, if somebody reports, you know, this or that, what, how are we going to handle that? So once you get things written um, and they're approved by the, by the local leadership and the pastors, then now you have a basis to train people. But if you don't have a set norm, that, that can be the most dangerous thing. If you don't have a set norm, then training can actually just keep uh, compounding itself, going angles and directions that the church is not going to be liability uh, covered and and maybe taking it a place that's opposite the vision of leadership. And so uh, security and safety should never be in contention with leadership. It should have the covering of leadership. And the way to do that is to make sure that leadership's familiar with the written processes of how you're going to handle it, 
They may not want to sit in your trainings. They may not understand uh, the different aspects of your training, but they need to know what you're training in and, and the response models that you're going to use. And so once you can get some of those written, they don't, you know, you're never going to be able to detail everything, but you need to just have some small things. You know, here's our goals and objectives of, of, of our standardized approach um, and our documentation requirements. And now start looking at how do we build those scenarios around that? How do we make scenario-based training, uh, practical training, walk-through drills, uh, so that we can start to reinforce what our written procedures are. For sure. And and that's one of the things we actually, we do on a regular basis. The Once our policy was established and um, written out, uh, we actually, we kind of look at that as a living, breathing entity uh, because as things happen, as things change, and I think I've talked, I've probably talked about it on the, the broadcast before, but as things change and as you learn and grow and understand that maybe this didn't happen the way you thought it would happen, or yeah. maybe you didn't apply this, yeah. <laughs> this policy the way you thought it would, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe we should change it. And so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll go through once a year and then once we've updated it and tweaked it or changed it, then we'll pass it around to all the full, full-time staff, all the pastors, have them look at it, uh, et cetera. And uh, one of the things that, that we did um, this, this last year with, with COVID going on, um, our insurance carrier at our church is Brotherhood Mutual. And so um, we were actually able to take our policies and send it to them. And they had an attorney go through them and say, look, this makes sense. We understand what you're, what you're trying to do. This, you know, this is good, basically the good, the bad, and the ugly with how you guys did it. And uh, fortunately for us, um, they came back and they said, look, there's like two things out of this entire policy book that we would suggest you, you tweak and change. And it wasn't, it wasn't even a negative thing. It was like, Absolutely. we were very specific and they said, well, you know, you can make this a little more broad, yes. you know, but yes having that oversight was um, really was an awesome, an awesome thing because first of all, we didn't have to pay for it. It was included with our, you know, with our insurance policy. And um, I always like having somebody else take a look at something and make sure, you know, that you're not missing it or missing the boat with, okay, this is our, this is our policy. This is how we handle stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think setting the limits, helps. And like you said, keeping some things, like I said, you know, policies not, you know, you can have a great plan, but in the middle of crisis, let's just be honest, plans are sure. not going to function the way, but what you're doing is you're setting just a basic groundwork that this is how we're going. This is, these are the goals we're going to work towards in the middle of a crisis or an emergency. Um, and then it still gives you that leeway, but yeah, you don't want to be so fine tuned that on the liability end of the spectrum, it says we are going to do this. We are going to provide this level of safety. Uh, or certain responses. But I think once you get the groundwork set now for training, so now for the person who's over the training, probably the people listening here tonight. Um, okay, now how do I train my team? Well, get get the approval in, in written process and procedures, um, and then now start to develop some of the training aspects around that. Um, you know, I think if you'll, if you'll do an assessment, um, every right. ministry is different. So every ministry needs different, you know, but truthfully, you almost have to have an outsider. And sometimes we have people in our team, um, you know, maybe people who say, I don't know that I really want their opinion. Uh, when you're looking to assess your training needs, you really want everybody's opinion. I'm going to be honest with you, not in how to do it, but mm -hmm. you want to have an assessment on what do you think needs to be done? 
So if I'm talking about what do I need to train my team members on? Well, I want to know what do they feel like they need training on? They're, They're going to open the gate towards deficits and areas that they may not feel as comfortable with. You know, hey, can we, you know, we need to go over this de-escalation. We need to go over, you know, dealing with a disruptive guest again. There's just a lot of things I want to work through and feel comfortable with. Great. You know, so so you want to incorporate and you want to ask and you need to find out because the truth is there's probably things all of us need to start doing, probably need to stop doing and maybe need to tweak or adjust how we do it. Uh, so you got to take a regular assessment, but look at your environmental uh, emergencies, things that are kind of a little bit more out of your control. Uh, I think COVID did some really good uh, things as far as maybe straining the system a bit. Uh, churches didn't have in-person gathering. They tried to go online and they realized, hey, all the hiccups of trying to operate and do things online. Um, well, that's a good problem to have to address. Maybe, you know, churches and ministries need to also look at the fact that, you know, there could be environmental hazard storms that take you totally off the grid. You don't have the ability to have the tech and toys. And some people are so dependent upon their tech for their safety and security well, what if you didn't have that tech in play on a certain mm-hmm. given Sunday? What does that look like now? So you're, you're so camera dependent on monitoring the exteriors of your uh, of your facilities and your parking lots. What if that went off? What, what, what if you lost that capability? Um, what does it look like now? How did that adjust your safety team? How are you doing foot patrol? How are you going out and scanning the parking lots before and after services? So, you know, you got to look at environmental aspects that you need to train for, things that you can't predict. Um, and then you got to go to man-made disasters and look at situational. Um, and if you just kind of start to write down the priority, um, and a lot of times given a survey to your team members, which areas do you think would be the most relevant and the most beneficial? And then go over those. Lockdown drills, active threat drills, tactical training. What areas of deficit do you see? What, what areas do you think could be improved upon? Um, environmental readiness. Uh, for sure. natural emergencies and stuff like that. So so surveying and getting a basic assessment sometimes can can give you the answers you need when you're saying, what should I be doing for training? And that's it's kind of funny you mentioned that because in the uh, in the book that we're working on now uh, with the ministry life cycle, the second step is engage. And part of part of our content, part of our our consideration with that is, regularly doing a needs assessment. It's not just like a one time, okay, I'm assessing everything. It might seem like it's one time because you've got, you know, at the start of a team, you you try and hit all the big stuff, but it is something if you're going to be successful with that, with that team, that ministry moving forward, you almost have to go in a constant, um, constant circle, you know, because if you're not coming back around and saying, look, uh, you know, what, what do I need now, you know, into that, then it's very easy to get blindsided by uh, the simple small things. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and, and I always tell people like in a quarterly, you know, you should, you, you should schedule stuff if you need to, for sake of just a reminder, you should set things on a quarterly cycle, worst case scenario, that we're always going to cover some of the uh, circumstantial things that we would have to deal and address. So we're going to, we're going to create some base of scenario based training. And if you say, look, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't know that I have resources to do these in-depth scenarios, then do a tabletop exercise, uh, sit around in a table. And a lot of our tactical training, you know, in law enforcement, we'll, we'll run tabletop drills where you run through roles right. and responsibilities, what's happening, have a guided scenario and let people start talking through it. And in fact, a lot of times people, people undercut, 
low end training. They say, well, if my guys can't go out, they're, they're not on a range and they're not running through, you know, dressed up in red man drills and simunitions, then they're not getting trained. I'm going to tell you right now that most people create so much stress in, in certain levels of training that they really reinforce bad behaviors instead of yeah. actually setting the groundwork. Um, most teams don't have the ability to train in, in and out like us that are working in full time. So sure. um, the ability to to walk through things and let them understand it in their mind process. Now you couple that with the physical walkthrough drills is really going to be most important. So I say right. before you ever run through situational based training or scenario training, um, you should always do tabletop exercise where you meet one day with your team and you kind of walk through the drill. Now they've heard it. Now mm -hmm. when you go through the practicals, they're going to see it and they're going to live it out. But they're they're relying on what they've worked through already in their mind. They don't have that OODA loop where I'm under stress. How do I respond? Um, sure. So stress stress has a place in training, uh, but not until foundations have been laid. So I you know I would say that for a brand new team or or like you said a standard every year things you need to revisit is just your situational awareness. Um, what sure. does your team? How do they scan and assess? Uh, how do they interact with incoming guests? How do they on a given Sunday? Um, where are they placed? Where are they positioned? Where can they observe? How do they communicate concerns? Um, but going through the situational based training, you know, something as simple as, as take your team before or after services when maybe nobody's on the campus and, and walk through and stage up some of the facility. Maybe go through the back, prop open a door with a stick or slightly open. Um, go through, leave a cell phone sitting out somewhere that looks like it's on the floor. Maybe could have been rummaged through somebody's purse as opposed to left behind. Maybe somebody was in a theft. Uh, leave sure. a bag, leave an unattended bag, um, a, a small bag sitting off to the side. And now just let your team walk through the facility one by one and let them report and come back and give the details of the, of the things that they've located and found. So constantly making them um, always have a state of situational awareness is key because in, in security and safety, sometimes that's what happens. We get lapsed. We, we do the same thing so with, with such redundancy that we sometimes we're on autopilot. We're not observing the things we need to observe. So brand new team or just every year in training, you need to increase and, uh, you know, implement some kind of component that makes people walk through situational awareness, how to look at people and how to pick up on stressors, how to watch their hand placement, body mechanics, um, how to pick up on people who may be agitated under the influence, um, how to look through and walk around the campus and find things that need to be discovered and reported or addressed. Um, so, you know, like you said, annually, you should have elementary level if that's what if that's what you have to feel like it is. Um, and you'd be surprised. Right. Let your team walk through, see how many components they find. Stage up your your facility with five or six hazards and things that you want them to locate and see what they locate. Maybe you'll identify a training deficit there just in, in a simple drill like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we're we're planning right now. We're doing our, our vacation Bible school planning. We, we pushed it back uh, this year. And uh, it's it's about a week. And one of the things that we do that's a little bit different than other churches is we actually do ours in the evening and we have a pretty solid, um, pretty solid process for checking kids in, checking kids out, that sort of thing. And so yesterday we had a meeting and uh, for I'm I'm one of the, the directors for it. So we added a, a new component um, of individuals to what we call hall monitors. And they're basically just kind of floating to make sure that the kids are where they're supposed to. And, you know, if there's any issues, then they they usually report them back to me. And it was funny because we were we were sitting at this this table. We were having a meeting and we were kind of talking about it because 
we always use Vacation Bible School as a way to plug in new people, right? So a lot of times I'll have folks come up to me and I'll say, "You have a we have a safety team here." I you know I didn't know, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's great. That means we're doing our job, right?" <laughs> yeah. But um, but it was funny yesterday because one of the guys said to me, he's like, "So." Um, and he started kind of going through and I, I kind of had to re redirect him, but he started going through and he's like, well, have you thought about if we had this type of situation? Have you thought about if we had, and it was all the, the catastrophic, yeah. you know, type things. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you know, we have, and we have a plan in place, but you know, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to look at what are our most immediate things like, okay, we, we do games outside weather is a big thing, you know, the end of the end of the month, end of July in in Ohio, we get tornadoes. So it's like, okay, so let's focus on on keeping the main things, the main things, right. And, uh, but he had some good questions. And I I pulled them aside after and I said, you know, thanks for bringing that up, because that's made us all think, you know, how would we have, you know, how would we respond? So it was almost like a tabletop session, like, like what you were talking about, where people kind of looked at me and they were like, well, you know, we've done VBS for how many years? How would we handle it if we had an active shooter come in or a fire drill with all these kids? And, yeah. and I said, you know, we would handle it like we would any other Sunday. You know, we, we secure the facility, we move the kids, we get them in this area, we take shelter, whatever the case is. Um, that doesn't, just because it's an event, it doesn't change how we respond to things, but having that awareness and, and thinking, I, I did appreciate the fact that, you know, that was something where they brought up, brought it up and said, look, you know, this kind of crossed my mind, like, and I'm just curious if we would handle it any different because we've got vacation Bible school versus, you know, every, every Sunday or every service. So Yeah, I try to, uh, you know, and I think one of the most important elements with training, I think I think the most overlooked um, because we do on site training for ministries and, and we'll come out and we'll teach training and go over broad scope of topics on, you know, just de-escalation uh, recognition and just basic protocols for safety teams just to kind of give everybody a groundwork to work from. But one of the greatest things that ever, it, it, almost without fail, um, you know, I'll say, well, hey, who, who do you intend on inviting to this training? Um, well, you know, we have a security team, you know, we got about, you know, however many, 8, 10, 12, 20 people that may be there from the security team. Um, okay, have, have you considered maybe opening it up to your volunteers? And they're like, well, why would we do that? And, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you do not, if, if, if you're tasked with safety over your church, um, if you're tasked in that role, um, you've got a target audience that is greater than your security team um, yep. annually, at least on a bare minimum. I, I tell ministries once a year, bare minimum. You should have some kind of safety training for all of your volunteers. So when we come and do on-site training, you know, I tell them, no, hey, look, we'll cover topics that are security specific at the end. Uh, but why don't you bring in everybody who serves, usher, elder, greeter, pastor, anybody who serves in any capacity? Uh, because the goal is we want everybody to learn about situational awareness. We want everybody sure. to know how to assess guests when they're coming in, watch mannerisms, body mechanics. Uh, we want everybody to learn how to de-escalate. We want every child care worker to know how to do a lockdown. We want every child care worker to know how to, to implement the run, hide, fight model and, and how to do what they need to do. Because in the middle of uh, in the middle of a crisis, let's just be honest, five people running around your campus in the midst of a, of a, of a crowd going awry, 
uh, right. it's going to be useless. You you cannot security teams should not be doing evacuations. Secure, that's that's your usher, elder, greeter, worker who knows how to post up by a door, knows how to raise a hand to say, hey, I'm over here. I've got this covered, knows how to request assistance. So just a lot of components that you really need to teach the underlying part of your body, your volunteers, so that in the middle of crisis, they're doing what they're doing so that you can be doing the greater things. Um, so that's one of the most uh, overlooked components in security safety training is what you need to be doing to train your body. Um, and you don't have to get in depth. You don't have to get into some of the tactical things, but they do need to know some of the basics uh, so that they can help you do what you need to do. Um, and then start setting that up in a routine fashion. I'd say once a year, bare minimum, uh, two hour or a one hour training uh, to some format, you should be walking them through that. You know, I always say, take your children's class and during the summer months, like you said, when storms are coming up and they're more prone to be present, it's a great yeah. time to let your parents know, hey, yeah, just so you guys are aware, you know, this week, you know, inside the children's classes, we care about your children's safety um, and, and we do fire drills. And, and, and here this week, we're going to be going through some simulated uh, fire evacuations where they would go. They'll meet you over here in the back. So you would know that in the event of a fire alarm, um, you know, that your children are taken care of. We'll have them in a staged area where you can come and be joined to them. Um, and so you let the you let the body know that you take safety serious. If the body knows that you have a plan in the middle of a crisis, and you're telling the family to stand up and we need you to exit this way, but they don't think you have a plan for their children over there. You want to know where they're going. They're not going to follow you. They're, they're right. going to do what they have to do. So, so safety has to be, has to be taught through your volunteer base as well. And then for your protocols, and then you have to educate the parents that you have some level of planning. Um, and that, sure. should be annual, that should be annual, bare minimum. Bare minimum. Well, I, I want to uh, I want to keep going. We need to take a quick break, so we'll we'll do that. But when we come back, I definitely I want to talk a little bit about um, having just kind of wrapping up this segment, but having a, a conversation because you touched on a point, adjust or actually talking to a parent and uh, and kind of chatting with them. And I want to dive into that a little bit more uh, when we come back from the break. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. 
welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast. Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources. Good evening and welcome back from the break. Uh, you're listening to the Church Safety Guys Sunday Night Broadcast. And uh, if you happen to watch this on a different platform at a different time, feel free to click like and subscribe in the lower right-hand corner. And uh, you're welcome to share this with your team. And for more resources uh, for your team, feel free to visit churchsafetyguys.com. So we're back. Uh, we picked up another Church Safety Guy. So welcome, Mike. <laughs> hey, gentlemen. Good to be here. Sorry of uh, Sunday summer traffic and everybody <laughs> trying to get back to the city. And uh, yeah, so here I'm here. Better late than never. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so we were just talking about training and, and prioritizing. And one of the things you said, uh, Dwayne, I wanted to come back to, and that's the idea of actually communicating and, and reassuring people and talking about, hey, we have a plan, we have a safety team, that sort of thing. Because honestly, I talk to a lot of churches that are like of the mindset, you know, we don't we want to fly under the radar. We don't want anyone knowing we have a security team at all. And one of the things that um, that I look at is as the safety director at my church is just the member perception. And as we design and create policy and we train and we we move forward with that that ministry, it's important to me how that ministry is viewed, you know, obviously like everything else, you have to kind of take the good with the bad and, and kind of filter out some of the, well, why do we need a, you know, a safety team to begin with? Um, but the reality is what I've found is in, in my role as, you know, as being safety director that often me just having a kind word and saying, you know what, we're actually, we've got a policy on that. We're actually training and um, we have, this is how we would handle that and explain that to, you know, the individual in question. A lot of times, especially with Vacation Bible School, what we've, what we've noticed is that same thing, that when you take the time and instead of saying, well, that's, you know, that's not your business or that's our policy or we're going to, we're going to be fine with that. 
taking a few seconds to explain that to someone gives them more peace of mind to understand and say, look, I trust you with my kids more than I even trust my own church with, with my kids. And we've had some folks say that to us with, uh, with our vacation Bible school, because with our processes, we've gotten to the point where we layer, you know, we layer security. So we have individuals that see that we have security or safety and, you know, that are blatantly, this is a, you know, this is a safety person. And then we have checks and balances and individuals that you wouldn't be able to tell were a safety person. But, you know, through Vacation Bible School, numerous times I've had folks start coming to the church because they're like, you know what, I, I respect and I appreciate the fact that you take this so seriously. And, you know, I've had people that might not even go to the church come up to me and say, well, how would you handle this type of situation for my child? Yeah. And so, you know, having that discussion and it's not like you don't have to give them your playbook, you know, you don't have to print off a copy of the policy and hand it to them, but just reassuring to let them know that there's order uh, and there's not chaos is yeah. because a lot of churches are still trying to find that, that balance. And a lot of times if you say, well, that's our thing, you know, that's our business. We don't, we don't talk about that you know, that gives the perception of chaos because, you know, maybe you don't know it as well as you should, or maybe you're just deflecting. And uh, one of the top, I think it was a Barna study um, that was done two years ago that I read that said one of the top five things that people consider when they go to a new church is, is safety and security. And so we have another generation of, of folks. And as we try and push out to the community and reach the community for Christ, we have a, a new generation that's coming in and saying, we expect this to be as secure as our schools. And, you know, and that's your responsibility to make sure that we feel comfortable or guess what? We're not going to, you know, we're not going to come. We're not going to let our kids come. Yeah. So I, many ministries, they don't understand, especially with children. And like you said, when you can come into a church and you see less safety protocols than they have at their sports camps programs or their at their mm -hmm. schools, they notice that, you know, parents with children. And you'll see a lot of churches. If you don't have if you don't have a lot of children, uh, first off, you're, you're, you're losing the next generation. But uh, people who have children, they will sit through a bad preacher if there's a good children's program. So sure. for, <laughs> for families, church really isn't even as much as it is for the adults as it is the children. And if they can walk in and they can just walk into the kids class and walk down the back way and get next to other kids that easy, uh, really what they're realizing is that's what somebody else can do next to my child. And many times you'll lose uh, young families based upon your safety protocols. Um, one other thing you hit on that I think is very key, and, 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 and you know this is, uh, as well as Mike, most people, uh, you know, with security issues, uh, you know, our security team, you know, we don't want to be seen. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, working in, in law enforcement, presence uh, is what you want. You have to have perceived presence and perceived ability to assist. And one thing I always try to tell people is, is I'm not telling you that everybody needs to walk around with a security shirt on, but mm -hmm. in your lobbies, in your main primary areas where people and guests walk in, you should always have somebody who, who has some form of identification that is recognizable as a security or safety lead. Um, a, a person who's going through the parking lot, sees something strange, 
if they walk in, they, they may not feel comfortable saying something. Maybe a small child who somebody walked up and tried to grab them and get them into the car. They may walk in and not say anything to anybody. But if they see somebody who's marked or identified as security, hey, hey, you, you with security? Yeah, there was this re- uh, weird guy out there and he was doing it. Or I saw this lady out here. You know, now that I see it, yep. there was something. If you're with security, there was this guy out here who was doing something, you know, kind of strange. So, so sure. having the presence plays. I'm not telling you got to identify everybody out, but you have to have some kind of perceived security element in place so that parents and, and, and your congregation feel safe. But at the same time, you're going to miss out on intel. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to lose the benefit for walk-up intel, and, and safety depends upon information. And so, yeah, you have to have a perceived uh, scene presence as well. It's funny. One of the things that how churches are gathering places with large uh, sums of people, if you will, and it's one of the only types of gathering places that rarely talks about evacuation procedures in the event of an emergency, do this. Okay. Yes, we don't have flotation devices under our seats, but at the same point, there is a procedure. There is a column and an order that can be talked about and share and whether that's a pre-service slide or whether that's an occasional message from the pulpit if you will that that kind of just says hey this exists but there's a healthy balance of both the overt and the covert yes and i think that's the that's the real piece there and to your point when i think that's great is that when you are overt you can be recognized you can be fed information you can become mm-hmm. part of a solution rather than waiting to say okay well no my team is going to yeah. see everything that ever happens anywhere yeah. that's just not true that's why we need to almost deputize the yeah. ministry leads of other departments you know my my favorite deputy if you will for the safety team is the guy at the coffee bar because he's talking to everybody yeah. he's watching everybody he's trying to remember and oh that that person likes his coffee that way especially during covid they're making them they got a good feel for that DLR. And yeah. so I want them to come to me. Now that's inside baseball, if you will. That's the person who's already on the team. But it's it's great to have that presence. And we've actually changed it up even a step further is not just that lobby position, but as we open the doors to the auditorium, what we've done is we've put a person at the stage with their hang tag on essentially, and they're watching everybody come through every door. They're scanning from a distance not on top of them, so it doesn't yeah. look like it's uh, um, like they're going to yeah. board an airplane, but yeah. it, it literally is one of those things where they're scanning and it's visible. No different than yeah. if you went to a concert or a political speech or different things, that there's a presence. It's visible, and then as service starts, that presence dissipates, But it, it, and it's not a scene, but it's still there. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For sure. So let's let's jump into some of the other some of the other areas of training. So we have we have an established team. We have folks that do run through. They've got an established policy. Um, how how would you recommend them actually prioritizing? I mean, we we we've talked before, and I know much of and we've we've always said much of what a team will respond to is medical. And a lot of times that gets overlooked for the the tactical piece of it. But for for a team that's got limited hours, obviously they're working with volunteers and trying to get everybody everybody rallied in with their schedules and stuff. What uh, what would you say is the most important, and how do you how do you prioritize what's most important? 
So I think you would go to the greatest risk to the body. So what what are the areas that if you had to manage it, and we know how this is, uh, for every emergency, you're going to have to hold it for four to five minutes until any first responders can get there. So that said, which areas are your greatest need? Um, so like you mentioned, you have a medical, a choking. Mm-hmm. You know, I think once a year during the summer, offering a CPR class, uh, offering basic first aid, and definitely for your team members, but just for the staff that work with the children. Uh, and maybe cover that for them so that once a year they can be trained on basic medical. How do you hold a basic first aid emergency for the five minutes until we get somebody here? And then I think another one that is very, that that definitely needs to be addressed, and and we kind of talked about this um, Mm pre-broadcast, with some of just the mental health and the de-escalation. More often than not, you're not going to have to deal with anything where you have to pull out uh, any kind of intermediate device or weaponry, uh, but you're probably going to have to address somebody in a verbal exchange. Um, in today's culture and society, uh, we get uh, a lot of contacts from churches saying, hey, you know, how do we deal? We had like two or three protesters that came out here uh, with nothing more than intent to see how you were going to handle it. Um, were you going to violate my rights by telling me what I can and can't do and, and stepping in and putting hands on me when you can't? Um, so there's a lot of people out there now that I think disruption um, and learning how to deal with that. What are you going to do in the event somebody comes into the service and says, may I have your attention? You know, I always say you have to be prepared to know how you're going to safely uh, address disruption, because if you can't remove a risk from the body, you have to remove the body from the risk. That looks pretty ugly inside a church when you're having to tell everybody, hey, we just don't know how to handle this. So can I just have everybody stand up and, and you know, we're just, you know, service is over. So you, you need to learn how to handle the things that are going to be the greatest risk of safety to your congregation in that five minute gap uh, while you're waiting for first responders. So I, I think medical is a given you know i think uh-huh. uh learning how to deal with uh disruptive guests what are your team models you know we always teach you know uh every emergency give me three i always I always say give me three people three people can handle any level of crisis um or at least if you'll remember those roles a contact so you have somebody who's going to be that voice in hey sir how you doing hey i understand you're upset so you have to have somebody who's a contact lead who feels comfortable with that you have to have a control element who may go get the chair go get a door assist you getting them out and then you have to have a communication element. Times of the essence in an emergency, and 911 needs to be pretty much activated. The second you have to say, eh, should I call 911? You've answered your question. You should be calling 911 because <laughs> you can always cancel them. You, you can always cancel them, but you, you can't get that time back. So I think sure. just learn how you're going to deal with each of those scenarios until there's a basic level of comfort. Um, you know, I, I think those uh, need to be primary because that could happen this Sunday. You could have a medical emergency this Sunday. You could have somebody stand up and say, may I have your attention? I don't agree with this and protest uh, inside your sanctuary. You need to know how to deal with those things. And I think that those, like we said, are cyclical. Every year we incorporate those levels of training uh, and they get refresher training. I love that, uh, that, that statement. So I'm going to throw it over to Mike because I know he's got some stuff he wants to add. So go for it. <laughs> well, I think it's great from prioritization. I think uh, to me, prioritization comes uh, after looking at your possibilities. Your possibilities are driven off of, I think I think I heard earlier as I was still driving, um, environmental concerns and other sorts of things that could happen based on where your church is located, climate related things, uh, weather related items, all of the different pieces. You got to look at what's possible. In other words, now, pos- just because it's possible doesn't mean it's probable. 
And so I think that that's the next degree is what's the probability that this could happen here? And now based on that, that can help you drive a priority, okay, which you can then craft policy, okay, to do so. And then you may then staff positions specific for that and walk through what those possibilities were by table topping, exercising, yeah. uh, what I kind of call it is uh, creating personas. You write out a story through the perspective of the person, the persona mm -hmm. that you're going to encounter. And whether that is a disgruntled parent, a person standing up in the middle of service, a person having a heart attack, any of those, each one of those are personas. That's there, there, there is a use case that you're going to encounter. And so when we do that, now we have to understand, okay, we need to respond to this person. This person is in crisis. This person is out of line. This person is any number of things. What is our policy say we can for, for kind of terms for how we can respond? Where's that ceiling? Where are those guardrails? Yes. Now, to your point, Duane, I think the communication is huge. Uh, we had a, a, a couple of weeks back, we had a person tried to join our team. The pastors kind of greenlit them onto the, 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 the safety team. And we're starting to go through good old uh, kind of um, orientation, if you will, and start talking. She starts a full on panic attack. And, and, and that then manifests and goes further into uh, what started to pre uh, present like a, a seizure. She started uh, seizing back and almost uh, potentially hitting her head. Uh, we, we, she went out for a, at least a split second. So we're like, call 911 instantly because as soon as it starts presenting yes. as that the possibility may exceed our training, our policy, our controls, our ability, we need, we need 911 rolling. Yes. And so that's, that's, it's not a, should we call 911? It's yeah. our, just like DLR is the standard for us. It's, we don't know if we're going to be able to handle it. It's starting to crash that threshold, get them rolling because we need backup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, um, especially in training, I think one of the greatest hiccups is we, with like that medical emergency, you don't realize, yeah. So who's going to respond? Who's going to do what? Um, Who's going to communicate contact 911? Because sometimes people just think anybody's doing it as opposed to somebody with security saying, hey, do me a favor, call 911. We train with sure. that three person response model that whoever's calling 911 stays in a place where they can observe what's going on so they can relay information. Who's going to the roadway um, to meet the evac responders because they don't know your facility? So Correct. all these different, you know, we train uh, many times, we train for individual puzzle pieces that we may. Be, become very proficient. And I think tactically, uh, there's a lot of ministries that are tactically proficient, but the tactical is only one piece of a puzzle. Take the full environment of a crisis. How do you handle it? And if you don't have all the pieces in training, one sure. great piece it, that doesn't get it done. You know, you don't need mm -hmm. one person doing everything right. You need everybody doing something right. And so yep. training has to look at all the inroads of, of what does that crisis, what strain does it put on us? Uh, what's our communication gaps? What's our uh, you know, circumstantial or environmental gaps. How are we going to overcome all these pieces? So when you train, like you said, you lay it out. Tabletop is really good because tabletop lets you realize, oh, there's that element. Oh, we didn't address that element. Now, when you do scenario-based training, you have all the components. So you're putting together a puzzle piece and not just training yep. one piece of the puzzle. Well, and I love love what you said earlier. If you have to ask if you should call 911. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I, I say that a lot of times 
like when I when I do first responder training or you know BLS or ALS training, and it's funny to me because <clears throat> they're still with as much as as you know advances have have happened with emergency medicine over the last you know 30 40 years uh it's just funny to me that that's still that's probably the number one question that i get the most yeah. when i do cpr and first aid like how do i know when i should actually you know do that and uh and that's what i say the the reality is if you're asking that question it's too late you should already be on the phone saying hey i need some help here and uh and you know, and in some, in our more rural communities, you know, obviously it takes a lot longer than eight to 10 minutes to get, to get help there. So it's kind of, it's interesting for sure. But I think, uh, honestly, I think looking at, uh, looking at the topic and, and kind of thinking about, you know, Mike's, Mike's, uh, Mike's peas there, <laughs> Um, I got one more too. Oh, go for what, what's the what's the last one? So a, after is is kind of a post action analysis. Well, so yeah, after it occurs, you got to go back and what worked, what didn't work, and then sure. adjust accordingly. I think I heard that said earlier before I jumped on in the break. There is you got to understand and feedback in to your policy so that you're understanding what's going on. So those multiple P's, I, uh, I'll recap them quick for those that were taking notes in case you missed one. Possibilities, priorities, policies, positions, personas, and post-action analysis. And then yeah. if I could add one more P to the Absolutely. list, and, and, and then would be the prayer element. I, I think in, in, in one element that, and I think it goes without saying, but sometimes it has to be said so that the relevance stays there, um, is the spiritual element. Um, you know, we, we put a lot of time and effort into our security uh, components and our security measures, but the chances are your security measures are never going to be challenged. But most ministries, their security measures are never going to be challenged. Um, and if so, maybe once in a while, but your faith is going to be challenged every day. And so for your leaders and those who serve the body, they need to understand the spiritual components. Um, we, we don't train people for warfare and then give them inadequate equipment. Um, so really, you know, skill sets, one thing. But understanding that our that our elements and our weapons of warfare are spiritual and their foundation, and it's the prayer yeah. element, it's the spiritual components. I, I always say it: uh, you can have uh, security personnel who's trained, but if they don't know how to lead somebody through the prayer of salvation outside your church doors, they're not fit for security. Because most mm -hmm. people in security, if they're dealing with a disruptive guest, guess where they're going to be taking them uh, outside. And we don't just write off the people that the that the enemy has tried to write off. Uh, we try to win them. And so you have to be prepared for that spiritual element. Train your guys to share in devotions when they come together, rotate it around. Hey, today, maybe you're not the pastor. I understand that, but just get a verse that means something to you. And why don't you just share a point? Have them articulate their faith within the group, because if they can't articulate their faith in the group, they're not going to articulate it in their service to the body. Yep. And that comes back, Dwayne, to something you said earlier in the show, is that we have to make sure we're handpicking or looking at the people that are being invited on this team, because the capacity that they need to have is not just do they carry. The yeah. capacity that they need is, is their brain possibility of going to what they might have to respond to? How are they going to, are they going to break down in a panic attack when they see blood? Okay. Yeah. They yeah. shouldn't be on the team. If they can't pray with somebody, to your point, they shouldn't be on the team. And it's not 
This is not the, hey, let's let's spin up a ton of ministries and get people in plugged in and involved at church. Yeah. Yes, we want people plugged in and involved at church. That's part of discipling and getting them closer and winning them to your point. But safety is not one of those, hey, let's join the membership club, or I think it sounds cool because they get to carry this or carry that. No, there's a lot of severity there. And to your point, nothing may happen. They may never encounter in their entire time or term of service in that. But there's also the potential for this ministry for PTSD to enter uh, that doesn't necessarily happen in the average other ministry, so to speak, that may exist within the church. And many teams, many churches, they're not looking at that at all. PTSD is one of those areas, I don't think we've seen a lot of it, but I think it's coming. And I think it's something that you're going to see more churches as they're exposed to things that they didn't anticipate Mm -hmm. or exposed to things that they prepared for in some ways. They have a response, but now they don't have a mechanism that they prepared to come come after it after the fact. So the crisis is gone, but the crisis continues in another way. Yeah, and, and I know you want to jump in, James, and and, and I know we're crouching on time. So I just, but I just want to say something because I know uh, me and James have talked about this uh, beforehand. So in in law enforcement, within the present scope of of our um, training and equipping right now, uh, a large percentage of that is on um, the critical, you know, the the crisis intervention, the mental health training, CIT uh, for mental health, and learning how to interact with society because a lot of society is dealing with crisis and stress um, and, sure. and the way that they're processing that substance abuse. And then, like you mentioned, also uh, just the service element uh, of always being on the guard, always looking out. And I think that mental health component would be a great. You ever want to come back and talk on something like that, James? I think that'd be a great thing to kind yeah, of absolutely. I think that's missing. You, you you nailed it there, Mike. I think there's some some great points there. Well, and there, sure. it, uh, we'll plug that because that'll be part. It is part <laughs> of our life cycle. Um, yeah. our, our last stage of the life cycle is renew. And that is about understanding where recognizing burnout, recognizing the need to kind of refuel, recharge. Sometimes it might be taking a break. And that that may be from, all right, I need to sit a Sunday out because I got stuff going on at home. I, I got, a, got some adulting to do. I need to focus on that. I got family to focus on. You know, that happens. But there's bigger times where you can't expect the same person to carry this mental baggage, this torch continually for for that period of time not every single one who steps into this line to serve in the capacity of that as safety and security at church has that ability to do so yeah. now I, I applaud you Duane, in 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 kind of serving in in the capacity in the police force and things and others that we've had on on our program that do that as well that is a i believe a higher calling as well because it's a selfless act it's a putting at risk it's living in that heightened environment and it's only ratcheting up. It's not getting easier. It's getting harder. One, one thing I was just going to throw in there and, uh, and it seems to get overlooked and maybe we'll have to, to come back and visit it on another, on another evening, another broadcast is uh, the idea of protecting the folks that serve uh, as well. You know, it's not just a let's protect the members, but it's also protecting your your church staff, your leadership, looking out for the the pastors uh, or ministers, looking out for uh, their families. Um, and we've I know we've talked about that before, but when we talk about training, you know, you have to be kind of prepared for um, 
what you perceive as, as being normal, but at the same time understand that when your church is going through a tr uh, transition of sorts, uh, that it is important to reach out to your your pastor. It's important to to kind of chat with them. Um, one of the things that I, I had mentioned earlier to, to Dwayne, um, our senior pastor has been tied up at the hospital uh, the last week or two with his son, um, and he today he decided he's like, hey, I'm going to come back and preach. I feel like God's putting this on my heart. I'm going to be here. And so I met with him this morning and I said, okay, how would you like the service to, to run? Because I can understand you not being here for two weeks. People are going to come up to you. People are going to engage with you. And um, you want, he wanted to make a quick entrance and a quick exit, you know, to get back to his family. And so we kind of mapped out a, a game plan and you know what? It went, it went awesome. And he's like, I'm really concerned, not that I don't care about people, but I'm concerned that I'm standing here and people see I'm available. So they come running up to me and they're like, Hey, pastor, I want to talk to you, I, you know? And, and then that just kind of, uh, you know, monopolizes his time and, and whatnot. And so one of the things I said was, well, in between services and what you're doing, I'll hang out with you and I'll just make sure, you know, I'll just be a presence. I'm not going to get in your way. I'm one of the few individuals that, that, uh, shadows him and he's okay with that. And what was interesting, as I mentioned to, to uh, Dwayne earlier, was seeing people's reaction. Like, now, I don't normally do that. Um, but what was interesting was seeing people come up and notice me. All of a sudden, it, it's like it clicked in their mind. Okay, you know what? I'm going to be brief. I'm, I'm, and, you know, I'm not going to have an issue. I'm going to talk to the pastor, and then I'm going to move on. But one thing uh, that... And we've talked about this before on the broadcast, but one thing that we've seen many, many, many times at different churches, uh, you know, and talked to different churches, and I know Dwayne, you've seen it, seen it too, is just a lack of of consideration for stuff that can be directed at the leadership and at the pastors and and the folks that are sharing. They have the opportunity to be the the, and in some cases, are the focal point of that church. And so people are going to recognize them from watching them online or through media or seeing seeing them out in the community more than they'll recognize anyone else. And a lot of times stuff gets directed at them. And so I just like to throw out there, you know, and, and we can certainly wrap up for sake of time, but I just like to throw out there, make sure that in your training that you're considering that and, um, you know, that you're running through different scenarios. And even if you don't run through a scenario and you sit down and just do a table table talk of, hey, you know, we're watching social media because this person was kind of uh, a DLR to our pastor. They said some stuff. Here's what's going on. Um, it's a, you know, you're investing. You're never wasting your time actually sitting down talking about theories and scenarios. Um, and that's certainly something that that should be considered with with the course of everything. So I don't know. I'll throw it over to you, Dwayne. Do you want to add something as we as we close up here? Uh, I just think that, um, you know, for many ministries, you know, hitting on the topic of training, there's so many scopes of it. I would just say sure. um, keep, keep it simple, um, uh, but do the poll uh, scan, you know, look through. Uh, those that you have serving with you and just kind of request, hey, what areas 
uh, do you feel, you know, that, that we could use the, the most training and what areas do you think maybe we have the greatest lack or, 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 or nobody really knows kind of what we're wanting. Um, and you need to identify from your team members their areas of deficit because those are the areas you want to train in. But, uh, but keeping it simple, uh, keeping it basic and documenting it. Definitely document your training. Uh, keep a, a log so you can see where you've been, you know, what to come back to, collect your resources and guides um, and, and just kind of keep a, a log. But like you said, revisiting. Uh, training isn't a one-time stop. You know, you guys know serving in different capacities. Uh, we train every year about two or three times on the same thing. Okay, so, so just get used to the fact that you have to hit certain things that are high liability in cycle, uh, but document your training and just keep it simple uh, and relevant to the audience. For sure. All right, Mike, do you want to add anything? No, I think it's great. Um, I'm sorry I missed the uh, first half of the discussion. I heard <laughs> heard it and it was great. So the uh, appreciate you coming on again, Dwayne. It's always oh, yeah. good to have you here. That's a pleasure. Appreciate what you guys are doing. I appreciate the fact that you guys are, are keeping a, a good voice out there, the upcoming conference, the resources that you guys make available. Uh, so hats off, uh, praising the Lord for the work that you guys are doing. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. So we'll, uh, we'll just wrap up real quick. Um, again, if you, uh, if you are interested, we're offering the uh, Church Security Essentials Conference, that's October 2nd, and you can purchase tickets through our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Uh, there's plenty of resources. There's information about our, our new uh, church security app. You're welcome to download that uh, and register. That's a free app, free content, free information. And uh, we are, I believe next week, we're going to be uh, talking about church security and facilities and basically how to design and think through the process of adding security for church plants and for folks that maybe are, are looking for a new building. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I'm in the middle of a church plant. So, <laughs> so I want to make sure that I'm not missing something that, uh, that maybe I'm, I'm missing now. Right. Yeah. But and I'm um, having conversation with the church about their, uh, their blueprints and they're looking at, uh, they own land and they're looking at uh, how do they design this next building and what are some of those must-haves from a, a safety perspective and looking sure. at some of what the architect is rendering and i'm i'm curious to see what the architect comes back at as to what how much uh, of that skill is in their kind of toolkit if you will and and are they already looking at that and bringing those elements into the design or is this something that we're going to have to, and we'll, we'll, we'll wait a minute there. You need to do this and here's why. Um, so I think it's a great topic. Looking forward to it. For sure. So thanks for joining us tonight. We'll let you go. Have a great uh, evening and a blessed week. And we will talk to you uh, next week. So take care. God bless. Have a good night. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.